Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at newbalance.com. Welcome back, Cracked fans, to another edition of the Cracked Interviews Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. It was such a privilege for our Cracked Rackets team to be able to broadcast the 2022 ITA All-American Championships. It is the symbolic kickoff event of each and every college tennis season. And yes, it's an individual event, but it's really the first time each year you get so many of the top players in the country assembling in one location to compete for a title. As such, plenty of drama, plenty of storylines. We've tried on this podcast to reflect on all of them over the course of the past few days as we've spoken with each of the 2022 ITA All-American champions on this podcast. We've got another one of those conversations for all of you listeners as I am joined by one half of the South Carolina men's doubles winning duo. In this instance, it's fourth year Connor Thompson who joins me on the show unlike his partner Toby Samuel. Toby ducking me, Connor, with the, dare I say, fearlessness, the bravery to come on this show answer some questions. No, unfortunately, Toby off doing Toby sorts of things on the pro circuit was so grateful to have the opportunity to speak with Connor and talk about their run because it truly was exceptional. This was obviously a duo that is a more recent pairing for South Carolina, and yet right away they're able to experience success and continue this track record of success we've seen for South Carolina of late. Whether it was Paul Jubb, 2019 NCAA singles champion, Daniel Rodriguez, the 2021 finalist, Rodriguez Thompson, a very good doubles duo last year. Now it's Thompson and Samuel pairing together to capture an ITA All American men's title. Clearly, things are going well in South Carolina. I wanted to ask Connor why he thought that was, what we should expect from the Gamecocks as we move into the 2023 season and so much more. It's a fantastic conversation that I know all of you listeners are going to enjoy. And for the record, I reserve the right to bring Toby Samuel onto this podcast to hear his thoughts on everything that's occurred. But I know this is an episode you listeners will enjoy, so we'll get right to it. That said, before we do, quick shout out to our friends at Swing Vision for their support of this podcast. And look, you want to know what's at the forefront of all our official intelligence technology developments happening within this sport? Check out the Swing Vision app. It's the most efficient way to improve your game each and every day. To learn more, click on the link in the description to this podcast. Use our promo code to let them know we sent you there, which we always appreciate. With that said, let's get to it. Here is my conversation with 2022 ITA All-American champ, Connor Thompson. Hey, Crack fans. Before we get to today's show, I want to let all of you listeners know about the revolutionary work being done by our friends over at Swing Vision. Now, all of us as tennis players are constantly searching for that piece of information that's going to give us that one, two, three percent edge whenever we step onto the court. We want to know, am I hitting my forehand with enough depth? Am I accurately placing my backhands? Am I employing patterns on the court that are putting me in an optimum position to experience success? Thankfully, all of those questions can now be answered via the app produced by our friends at Swing Vision. Folks, it's extraordinarily simple. You're going to download the app. You're going to turn that app on your phone. You're going to put your phone on the back fence, the back curtain of whatever court you're playing on. You're going to hit record. And then using artificial intelligence, Swing Vision is going to break down your performance. If you click on the link that you find in the podcast description here on today's episode, you'll go right to the Swing Vision website. And of course, friends who use our Crack Rackets promo code CRACK20 are going to get an additional $20 discount and a free 14-day pro trial on the Swing Vision app. Again, you use that promo code Crack 20, $20 discount, as well as a free 14-day pro trial. How do you find the link? To get signed up, just go back to your podcast feed. It's in the podcast description of this episode. You go to the Swing Vision website, you set up your account, you download the app, you get rocking and rolling, get all the information, one location with our friends at Swing Vision. Oh, 
Joining us on the podcast today for the first time is a man you might know best as one half of the 2022 ITA All-American Men's Doubles Champion. Of course, we have also gotten the chance to know him during his first three years on the job at the University of South Carolina. Welcome on to the show, Connor Thompson. Connor, how are you doing today? Yeah, not bad. Uh, Thank you very much for having me on here. Um, Yeah, looking forward to it. Yeah, my pleasure to have you. Let me just ask you this from the start, because this is a debate I was having in my head. It's your fourth year now at South Carolina. Do you consider yourself a senior, a fourth year? Like, what is the terminology you use? Because I'm sure we're all confused. Yeah, I, I don't really know. Um, <laughs> honestly, I'm, I'm like, I'm a senior. Everybody else is telling me, no, you're a junior. I'm, yeah, there's, there's too many terms getting thrown around. You know, all I know is that, I've got this year and, and another year, year yeah, after this, so I'm that's sure that's, along with this. I'm sure that's what coach tells you. He's like, tell everyone you're a junior. We need to yeah. make clear he's got <laughs> one more year left after this. Yeah. Let's not get funky. But, you know, obviously your time on campus has overlapped with a really funky era in college tennis with obviously the pandemic happening your freshman year, that first season getting cut off. You can, you know, draw a direct kind of through line from there to where we are now. That said, this really feels like the first fall where everything has kind of settled in and gotten back to normal. And, you know, let's just start with the big question right off the bat for you and Toby to partner together, capture the ITA All-American. What does that mean? to you what does that mean to the program yeah for um for us it was everything you know um we probably didn't have the best run in singles um and you know we were like you know we need to sort of redeem ourselves a little bit you know and to go out there you know just take it match by match we played some great teams you know play some great tennis um and then eventually to come out with a title you know was amazing for us but more importantly for the the program and the culture that's you know that's where we felt that was the biggest importance, you know, doing doing well so the, the program keeps on getting better. And, you know, it's amazing for like Josh and Drew who, you know, they put in so much work, you know, alongside with us. So to see them, you know, with a smile on the on their face at the end of the day was, you know, amazing. When, you know, you talk about them and obviously you look at what South Carolina has done over the past couple of years, 2019, Jubb wins the NCAA singles title, 2021, Rodriguez makes the final. Now, obviously this year, you guys captured the ITA All-American doubles title. Feels like you guys are going around the belt trying to hit for the cycle. You know, you're a fall Nats away and then you kind of have everything. What has clicked? So, you know, what is it about Coach Goffey and you know, the South Carolina program that seems to continue to produce such champions? Um, I mean, I, th- I feel like it's just the culture that, you know, from the first day you step on campus, you know, obviously it's it's, it's a, a learning process. I mean, you, you get in there and it's totally different. You know, that's how I felt. Um, you know, the, the culture is very strong here and we have high standards for everybody. Um, and, you know, just it's kind of that day in, day out, you know, it's really not anything that special just you put the work in you know coach coffee make sure that you you're doing the right thing coach drew's always there with them as well and you know we're lucky to have two great leaders to to help everybody on that path and you know and i don't really know if there's many better coaches out there than coffee and drew that can you know take a job or take a danny and you know showcase that you know they can really develop players no, I completely agree with you. Now, I have to ask because, you know, <laughs> I, I love Coach Goffey. Is he as cool as he thinks he is? That's my question to you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, go, Coach is the man. Coach yeah. is the man, I must say. Um, yeah, great guy. Great guy on the court. Great guy off the court. You know, he's he's been there for me nonstop. I know he's been there for every single one of our guys at some point, you know, so... You know, we, we probably give him too much stick than what he deserves, but uh, he's a top, top level guy, you know. No, no doubt about that. And, you know, again, I say it in love as well. I love Coach Goffey. I think if you've listened to any of our college podcasts, you're not going to get through 30 minutes without me saying, oh, one of the most respected coaches in the country, Coach Goffey. But it is, it's, I think it's his voice. I think it's just the fact he's just like Gruskin. 
what's up, man? How yeah. you doing? And you're just like, you know, like, I don't think I've ever heard him get to like a 10 in terms of the anger, right? It's always yeah. steady. And yet I do feel like he's a, and just to break it down here, cause I'm curious, this is one of the unique aspects of college tennis. I feel like he's a very engaged coach. I feel like for Drew as well. They're not two coaches who are going to sit passively on the sidelines throughout a course of the match. If they see something, I feel like they're they're the sort of coaches who let you know. And I'm curious if, as a player, you feel that way and how that benefits you. Yeah, I think for, uh, I'd say the first couple of years I was here, um, they're they're with you every single point you know they're they're engaged their their engagement level is through the roof you know with every single person i think well, i know as you kind of kind of mature through the years and stuff that you rely on them less and their input sometimes is less but that's mostly because you know they're gearing you up to you know for the guys that come here that want to play professional like you have to do it yourself so you know they're they're trying to help you kind of deal with those things you know, by yourself. But the first couple of years, I know, like Coach Goff, Coach Goffey was on my court all the time, all the time, telling me, "You're right, you need to do this. You need to be aware of this." You know, and gradually, you know, it's been a little bit less. But you know, is their intensity and their engagement levels is is crazy. And when they want to light you up, they will light you up. You know, you don't forget those. So. Yeah, no, for sure. And uh, you talk about that adjustment because tennis is a sport where you're out on your own so frequently, particularly in the juniors at the professional level. And, you know, you talk about that development. It's not to say that you were not playing a high level of tennis when you entered college, because obviously your freshman season, you win 24 singles matches before things get stopped. And obviously, you know, second year or your first year, however we want to describe it, you and Daniel make the NCAA doubles championship. That said, it did feel like last year, and it sounds like this is something you're alluding to, you know, it felt like. Coach Goffey kind of let go of the reins for you, for Toby, for Rodriguez, and kind of said, all right, it's your guys' team now. Like, time to push this however you can. Did you feel that last season? And, you know, as you look back at last year, do you feel like you had your most successful season of college tennis to date? Yeah, I mean, I definitely would say that, you know, the best the best programs are, are player-led. So, mm-hmm. you know, Goffey's... You know, Goffey and Drew are, are amazing leaders, but you know the guys really need to be running the team if you want to win a championship. You know, it comes from the players and you know, the coaches kind of lead you on the path that you need to go to. But it's up to the actual player to to stay on that path and stay the course. Um, so, kind of taking like last year, and for example, um, you know, for probably the older guys on the team, myself, you know, Danny, Raf, you know, Toby it's sort of our job to make sure that we're always on point and always focusing on our, on ourselves so that we can put a, put a point on the board for the team. You know, that's probably, you know, the most, probably the most important part of, uh, you know, of our jobs. Um, so, you know, having the younger guys in that allows a coach to kind of go out there and work with them more, you know, cause obviously they might need some more help than, you know, what, what we do because also like we've been there before we've seen it before um with that being said you know it's still good to have him have his input you know because you know lord knows that i need some help sometimes so um yes yeah, i think can as you grow up it's it's important that you mature and realize that right this is where i'm at i need to make sure that i can be able to do this by myself because when i go out there and i play futures or whatever that first year you, you've got nobody to rely on so you need to learn it now Instead, I just learn it when you get out of college. So with that in mind, and obviously there are a ton of different ways, and you know, we sort of veered off track from the All-American. I promise I'm going to get yeah. back there because I want to celebrate your victory. But you talk about handling unique situations. Let's just get to it right now. Last year, I believe the date, I don't want to get this incorrect. I want to say it was roughly you know, somewhere April, uh, March 11th. I have it here. March 11th, 2022. University of South Carolina is on the road. You guys are headed to Knoxville, Tennessee. You knew it was coming. You should have seen a smile on his face, listeners. Talk me through what it's like to go through that third set there and what that experience is. And, you know, I'm curious, do you think, because you won a lot of clinching matches when you were younger. Looking back at the resume, it's like five clinches this year, six clinches that year. You've been in that position before. 
But how do you think you handled that better last year than you would have in prior prior cool. years? And I'm just curious what that experience was like. I think I mean yeah, I do think everything uh, everything is sort of came into play, you know. And I when I first came into college, I wasn't you know the best prospect. I wasn't you know I was like a, around about like 120 ITF juniors, you know. I was, but I learned an awful lot, and you know what I learned was really just the the fundamental part of the game of like you know you got to make balls and you got to put it in a good clip simple you know and um that you know put, putting wins back to back always gives you confidence you know so when i was in those some of the situations where you know i could clinch for the team and whatnot it was it was more of a case of it, it became automatic to just go out there and do what i need to do um that one uh, that kind of match specifically was that was just an absolute <laughs> roller coaster for a better word. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. Um, you know, we we came off the bat of a pretty brutal weekend um, from Florida. Me, like we had three guys out against Florida. Mm-hmm. You know, we didn't play. So like me, Toby, and Jim, uh, James, we didn't play against Florida LSU. So we missed those two matches. Um, and then our first match back was Tennessee. We went on the road. I was really uncertain of our, okay, what's my level going to be like. You know, we went out there for dubs. We lost a tight one, me and Danny, to to clinch dubs point. Uh, went into singles. Um, some of the guys were up. Some of us were down. I was getting just battered. I mean, it was it was like an absolute <laughs> show. Um, First set was a bagel, if memory serves me correct, right? Yeah, I'm, it was. I was six oh three oh down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and I remember coach just came over and. Uh, he didn't say anything to me. He had, he had me a note. Um, yeah, I'm not going to say what that note said, but uh, you know, you could probably imagine. Um, and it just, it really, it really fired me up. You know, I was like, I, I can't be this guy. That's I, I, I said to myself, I'm not going to be the guy that is a loser here and has lost this match for my team. I can't do that. You know, that's something I think from the first moment I stepped on campus and I put on the jersey, that was something that I, I believed and I bought into was. You know, I got to be a guy. I got to be the guy for this team. You know, in, in, in any sort of way. You know, and uh, kind of just looking back at it, it was like it was amazing just to to scrape my way back into that because I was playing possibly the worst tennis of my whole entire life, mm-hmm. and you know, I was just I was feeding off you know my guys' energy. You know, the the Tennessee crowd, was, you know, their rowdies ever. You know, you know they just going at you. Um, but yeah, to to get that and then to clinch it like was just unbelievable. You know, that's the only way I could really describe it. It was just yeah. nuts. Yeah, to play in that environment on the road because it's no doubt Knoxville can get hostile. That said, is that preferred? Like, how does that when you look at that environment? Is it because you know sometimes I think as a college tennis fan you're treading a fine line, right? You don't want to be mean. I mean, you do want to be mean in the moment, certainly, but there's a line you can't cross as a fan. That said, as a player, do you prefer an engaged crowd? Like, even if that crowd is against you? Yeah. I mean, I, I actually don't know, you know, if let's say it was a completely like kind of lame crowd and there was no energy or whatever. I don't know if that would kickstart my engine in that situation. Sure. You know, like I'm a, I'm a big energy guy and, I feed off my other guys and I like to think that, you know, I can feed them with, you know, my energy when I'm on court. And, uh, you know, I think the more energy you have in college tennis, the more excitement about it, the better it is, you know, like there's been a lot of bad things said to a lot of us out there, you know, and the reality is that, you know, it gives you something to bite on it. It gives you something to go out and fight after, you know, and, at the end of the day, I'm always going to shake the guy's hand and be like, you know, a good match either way. But, you know, some of the best memories I have is hostile, hostile environments, just like absolute carnage, fans screaming at you, players saying this, coaches saying that, like, you know, because it's a war out there. It's an absolute, it's an absolute battle, you know, and I, I really do believe that college tennis benefits from that. You know, of course, there's some lines that you're like, right, you know, easy. Yeah. easy there, but I do believe that, you know, we need to you know, always sort of push the boundaries with it and kind of 
let it slide sometimes. Oh, for sure. And I have a theory when I look at guys like Steve Johnson or, you know, all these college players, Cam Norrie, who have made this successful transition to the pros. I always have the thought of, well, they've been the best at in the world at something. And I know that's silly to say because college tennis is just a small subsect of like the broader tennis playing universe. But for Stevie to be like, well, I've been the best at in my respective department. And I know in the biggest moments, I develop this trust in my game, in my system, that it will ultimately win out. I'm curious for you how moments like that, that Tennessee match, help you build trust, build confidence in your game. And, you know, again, we saw Toby go out this summer, win a pro event at the ITF level. I'm curious if you do see that confidence you gain from the collegiate level uh, carry over into pro events. I 100% believe that. I mean, I would say college, like high, high end college level is, you know, top end futures, even like challenger level. You know, a lot of these guys are, you know, we're seeing a lot of guys now who are 300, 400, 500 in the rankings, you know, in ATP, you know, and these guys are good, good players, you know, and to, to win on a regular basis in college level gives you an awful lot of confidence to go out there in the summer or whatever it is to, to go and win, you know, and, like anything, winning gives you confidence, you know, and we, we play a sport where when you're confident, like you're going to be at your best, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of guys struggle when they're not as confident in their game and they're, they're sort of unsure of where they're at. But, you know, if you're getting wins after wins, you know, who's to say that you can't go out there and take out anybody on that day, mm-hmm. you know, it's sport at the end of the day. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, for your team in particular, looking at last season, uh, obviously, you guys were able to make the national indoors, reach the quarterfinals, played an incredible match against Tennessee there. Really, you know, into the round of 16 this year where you're knocked out by Virginia. And obviously, Virginia goes on to win the national championship. So I think that's a loss that has aged well. Also, you know, when you look back at that 2022 season, what do you think, what were the, the, the things that clicked so well for your team last year? And how do you go about carrying that over into this year? Oh, um, I, for me personally, I, I really just took everything, you know, day by day, week by week. I think mm-hmm. one of the, the biggest things that, you know, we were preaching about is, you know, just focus on Friday and focus on Sunday. You know, that is like, we're not looking at, we're not looking ahead to, you know, week six of the SEC and we want to be at, you know, this record or whatever. It was a case of like every win is a championship in, in a sense. You know, and staying in that that kind of mindset of right, I'm I'm hungry now, and you know, we probably fell victim to sometimes having success and then not backing it up. You know, the best one I can say was you know the Tennessee, you know, winning at Tennessee away and then losing to Georgia. You know, like that was you know in hindsight we were kind of still living in the win already instead of kind of just being like all right, it's done with, move on now. You know, and that was that's a lesson that I've especially learned. You know, I, I think me, I'll take my my last year there. I thought I'd done a really good job, but you know, I only lost a few matches in the spring, and most of it was probably most of those losses were probably down to me not kind of just getting out of myself and being like, All right, don't be satisfied, do not be satisfied, stay hungry, stay on that path, and ask for more. You know, and you can look back at after May or June whenever you're, whenever we're done and be like, all right, that was a good year. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's something I'm trying to take forward with, you know, this, this semester and this year is, you know, regardless if we go and win, you know, like a doubles title, it's great, but there's still a lot of tennis to be played and there's still a lot of things that I know I personally want to go out and achieve and I want to accomplish by, you know, this year and, you know, my fifth year. Yeah. So with that in mind, let's turn the page and look at this year. Coach Goffey says, Connor, come to my office. And you're like, oh, no, what did I do wrong this time? And he opens the door and he says, I got good news and bad news in the form of one statement. You're playing with Toby at the All-Americans. <laughs> What's your reaction to that? And after, you know, two years with Daniel Rodriguez, look, with all due respect, I'm not going to make you answer. Is he coming back or not? We'll leave that for the tennis gods to decide here in yeah. November, December. Um 
But I will say this, two years of playing doubles with someone, that's a marriage, my friend. Like, you are committed yeah. to them. You know his tics, his quirks. I'm sure you're like, I <laughs> want you to hit this serve so that I can hit the forehand poach, as you know I like to hit, all these different things. And now you get Toby, of all people? Um, no, you, what was your reaction to that? And obviously, what clicked so well for you guys? I was, I mean, I was pumped with it. I, I mean, look, I've I spent a lot of time with Toby, and I know that he's one hell of a player. You know, the guy's... Cash got the bomb of a serve, big forehand, competes well, you know, good athlete. Um, you know, obviously playing with Danny, I mean, everybody knows Danny. Like Danny is just an absolute stud. Mm-hmm. You know, and I spent I spent a lot of time with him on the court, off the court, and we knew each other inside out and we had a lot of success, you know, and it was it was amazing to ha- actually be able to play with him and learn from him, you know, and take a lot of the, the stuff that we were talking about in dubs and apply it to singles and and whatnot but um yeah playing with toby we we didn't necessarily know how good we could could be i mean we still don't we've only been playing with each other for two events now you know we played the we won the vanderbilt tournament and then we won all americans you know and uh playing in practice we were like oh we could we could be pretty (laughs) good like we dropping some big serves you know both can volley well you know um but yeah i was i was super happy to to go, kind of go out there with them and play the way we did. And, you know, we played a lot of great players, a lot of great teams, you know, and we done a good job of handling, you know, situations when whenever we were up or whenever we were kind of losing our energy a little bit, you know. Uh, but it was funny, like, Danny texted me after we won and he's like, hey, man, congrats. But uh, he's like, what the f***, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah. you said you was going to leave me and win, win a tournament? Like, because also we... We had a we had a um, like a really good run at NCAA's like last year, and we lost a an absolute heartbreak. And that was like that was a tough one. That was a that was a tough one to take, um, because obviously we wanted to push the boundaries of you know how far we've, how far any program any team has went in the NCAA for our programming. Um, sort of like that was a that was a, a really gut wrenching feeling for us, um, but to kind of bounce back and also playing with Toby now like it's really good you know and I'm really just focusing on you know pushing that further to to get more success you know yeah no absolutely and with that in mind I get to ask the fun question 6-3-3 love double break lead set number two in now credit to Segerman and Cernok they played better no doubt but what happened like you guys weren't broken for three consecutive sets because the semifinals that was clinical like I actually think of all the matches that semifinal win over Spaziri and Harper, that's where I was just like, oh my God, like this team is dominant on serve. But what happened? Well, that little blink in the home stretch of the final. I think it was um, you know, when you, you kinda you you see you see the end the end result. And we were we were obviously like we played some I mean, we probably that first match we played against Virginia Tech, for instance, we we got through that and we we actually played pretty decent. Mm-hmm. Um you know, we played, we bat, we got through like three other matches. We were like, like, all right, we're playing really good. Got through that first set, right? It's all good. And then we kind of got gifted a break early off a double fall. And it wasn't necessarily like us going out there and right, you know, taking it, taking it away from them. So there was obviously a little bit of doubt there. And then put that with the, the whole thing of, oh, we could be the first team to, to win here in like our program history it got a little bit tight, you know, and we almost <laughs> the bed a little bit, but, um, <laughs> like, again, though, like, Goffey came over and was kind of like, what are you guys doing? Like, you know, like, you have, you guys have absolutely nothing to lose here. Like, z- zero to lose. Like, and if without him and sort of the, the chatter that he was giving us and the perspective that we could t- take from that, you know, that could have easily went away to, you know, a third set breaker and at that stage is, you know, toss of the coin. Yeah. Um but, you know, credit credit to like Toby. Toby um played pretty well in that. You know, and we, we nutted up and we got it done eventually. Yeah, no doubt about that. And obviously to your point, you bring home the first ITA All American title in program history and you know, that sort of sets the scene for twenty twenty three and just a reset for our listeners, twenty two and seven 
last year. You guys qualify for the national indoors. You make the Sweet 16 and get to that super regional, uh, obviously, of the NCAA tournament as well. I'm sure the loss to Auburn in the SEC tournament, a little bit disappointing, but 9-2 and in SEC conference play is nothing to bat an eye on. You know, with that in mind, again, Daniel, question aside, you're back. Toby's back. You know, uh, James Story back in action, too. You have, I believe, uh, Jake Beasley back for another year as well. Casey Houle back. All these different faces back now. You know, I, I I think Ralph is gone, I believe. You never know in the year of COVID. Like, it could be like, no, yeah. he's actually got one more year. But I believe he's gone. Daniel aside, the core is still here. And so my question is, again, how do you, you know, what has the focus been this fall uh, for your team to help you try and take that next step? Um, I mean, a lot of it is just trying to improve ourselves as tennis players. Um, mm-hmm. So kind of trying to pu- push our ceiling up, you know, of our kind of base level, um, having that kind of cons- consistency, you know, whenever you're stepping in the match court and even in practice. Um, but yeah, to have, you know, Toby's back playing some great ball, yeah, you know, James is back playing some great ball to have kind of us, you know, back as a unit. It's amazing. You know, Casey, we got a new guy, Lucas is playing great. You know, Jake as well, you know, Carr, we got pretty much the whole squad back and, you know, you guys will see who else we bring in, you know, come yeah. January. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm really excited for it. You know, I've, that's the one thing we've always, at least I've always tried to do is, you know, push the jersey forward and that's something that Josh preaches us and you know it's our responsibility to to leave this program in a better place than what we got it you know and obviously that's getting tougher and tougher at the moment because you know we're starting to jump some levels um but having that kind of mindset allows us to kind of go out there and suffer you know and and be all right with it you know because at the end of the day we're going to get something from it yeah you know, no I mean the, it's definitely tough when you're top 10 and you're like, well, there's only nine more spots to go. Like, you know, that's yeah. that nine is not a big number, obviously. And, you know, again, for your team, and you sort of alluded to it earlier, but a lot of guys with pro aspirations. I'm curious, you know, again, you see a guy like Toby win a, a pro title this, this summer and, you know, Jubby having the success that he is out on the pro tour. What is it? You know, for you, it's your fourth year, and I believe you have pro tennis aspirations. You can correct me if I'm wrong, but, you know, what is it about this college? You know, what left of the college experience do you feel like is there for you to continue to improve your game? What sort of things are you trying to take away from this year individually? Um, I think there's a level of maturity, you know, like being around with Job, for instance, you know, him practicing here, like you understand, you start to understand how, a top guy is and how a top guy acts on court and trains like you know the the preparation that goes into training and you know the the standards that they have every single day you know obviously when I first came into what I am now like you know I've made some jumps and you know I've grown as a player but you know to see that there's plenty more levels to go like that's something that's like it's always it's always great to, to have that because you're always pushing forward you know, and then on top of that, I've got a great coach, you know, with Josh and Drew that are, you know, top level guys and they know, they know the game inside out, you know. So for me personally, it's like, right, just max, try and maximize everything that I can do, like maximize my tennis, maximize my mental capabilities, my physical capabilities. And, you know, once I'm done after my fifth year, then, you know, let's see where we can end up. You know, that's sure. like the biggest thing. Yeah, it's always nice to have someone pay for your training too, right? That's something you think about more and more as you get older. That said, and I want to do a better job of asking players about some of these things uh, moving forward, some of the big picture items in college tennis. One of them being, and we talked about this with a lot of coaches last offseason, there's a dead period from like the middle, end of November all the way through the start of the season. You talk about having that exposure to elite coaching. And I mean, you are in college tennis to be coached, right? You're not there to, you know, if you're there, might as well get the coaching. How frustrating is that dead period from your perspective, especially like the the six weeks leading up to the season, right? It's like, can you pick a worse time on the calendar? Yeah, it's a a bit of like a strange period because you're training, but 
you know, it's you're you feel like you're in limbo a little bit. You know, you're yeah. just kind of you're you're raring to go. You're wanting to get stuck into the season. You know, because when we get into the season, it's it's non-stop. Like when you get back in January, you're training straight away, and then you're off playing. You know, so I always kind of wondered like why why we only have like a cap on events that we can play in the fall, and you know, what's the kind of deal with that? Like, mm-hmm. you know, I would prefer to be able to play, you know, as much you know, tennis as possible while like traveling with the coaches and whatnot. And I get it. So there's rules are rules, but you know, I would probably prefer to, to play, you know, a couple more events at least, you know, during that period, especially when, you know, the school can like take you there. Yeah, for sure. What about the fall just in general? Because, well, you know, again, this ITL American, you had the chance to be there obviously all week long. You saw the pre-qualifying, qualifying singles, doubles, all of these different things. Now, the ITA CEO, Tim Russell, came on our show a couple of days ago before this episode was released, at least for what it's worth, and said um, that they have put a proposal forward and their plan is to move the NCAA singles and doubles tournaments to the fall moving forward. And say, you know, fall is for the individuals, spring is for the team. I'm curious what you, as someone who's played in the different format, thinks of that. Yeah, I... I... I don't really know how that would really work out and like fit in because like, I mean, I, I understand the fall is individual, mm-hmm. you know, and you're obviously, you're still playing a good amount of tennis, but when you're playing the spring, it's non-stop. So arguably these guys are at their best anyway, mm-hmm. you know, and it's to me, my, you know, being here for the past three years, four years, you know, playing, you know, singles and doubles at NCAA is like, to me, it's just like tradition to, to go and do that. You know, um, I would probably have to look into like, or what's the benefits of moving it to the fall and whatnot. But yeah, it's, it just seems a bit strange. Yeah, I guess the reason would be that right now the fall is kind of pointless, right? It's like you play the All-American, you play the fall Nats, but why do you play them? What are we really doing with these events? Do they matter other than to get a look at everyone else? The idea would be to use those events as almost a precursor to NCAAs to use that to help figure out qualifying. You're right. There's a lot of details that need to be clarified before one could clearly say good idea, bad idea. But I think it's the idea is just to make the fall matter, right? It's just because like right now, does it, you know, again, to us, we know what the ITL American does. We know the confidence you and Toby will gain. And you look over the years, Nuno won it, JJ Wolf won it, Ben Shelton won it. Those are your last three winners. They're all about to be top 100 players. Like that said, does the fall really matter? I think the idea is if you put NCAA individuals in it, then yes, it would. Yeah. I mean, yeah, from that perspective, absolutely. Um, I think with the other side of it as well, though, like the fall allows a lot of guys to go out and play professional events. Sure. You know, and would players value NCAAs the same, you know, if they're out, if they can go and play 15Ks or 25Ks or Charlie, Charlie's, whatever it is, you know, I, I, to me, NCAAs in the spring, you know, let's say you're going to have a great season in the spring, mm-hmm. play well at NCAAs for guys with a calendar, like a calendar slam, you know, guys from Britain, Australia, or France, whatever, US, like you go do well at that tournament, you're looking at wild cards, mm-hmm. you know, for like qualies or main draw or like, you know, how Job done it, you know, Job wins NCAAs, goes on, has a, goes plays Wimbledon, has a great grass season. You know, would would that happen if, you know, it was in the, the fall, would people forget about it? Because also, there's a lot of time from the fall to the spring. If you do well in the fall, it doesn't mean you're going to do well in the spring, mm-hmm. you know? So uh, there's a lot of things that kind of go into it. Um, but again, you know, like you would have to sit down and really analyze right, what's the pros and cons of this. Yeah. All right. Well, I reserve the right to bring you back on. We'll analyze it together. We'll go through we'll yeah. talk pros and cons through it all. But I know I, I appreciate your view on it because that is the thinking I want to know for a player. So again, for you coming from Glasgow, Scotland, initially um i'm curious what what drew you to college tennis how is it that you find your you know how is it that you found yourself talking to josh goffey and all of a sudden 2019 you're joining the south carolina team yeah i I don't know why josh spoke to me i have no idea honestly (laughs) i don't know god he's had me for three years he's probably you know just stressed out he's like when's this guy gonna pop on the portal 
Yeah, God. Uh, no, I, yeah, I was. Um, I used to travel a lot with um, James. Actually, like James Story, like we sure. were best mates, and uh, Jacob Fernley. Like that was uh, our sort of group. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, James is speaking to TCU and, and coach as well, Goffey. Um, you know, Jacob was kind of really focused on TCU, and you know, I was speaking to sort of a few coaches as well, and yeah, I guess. Josh kind of saw a little bit of, you know, something, you know, he's, he's always got an eye for half decent players, I think, (laughs) you know, um, excluding me obviously, but, uh, (laughs) yeah, no, he kind of, I knew job, um, sort of from, uh, from juniors, you know, we played each other a few times and I knew, um, Danny as well. So I, I played Danny, uh, or I didn't, I don't think I played him in summer cup, um, but I played against you know Portugal uh, in Summer Cup, and so I'm, I seen him there, whatever. And you know, Josh extended a visit out to me, and I took it, came to the place, and I just own it. Honestly, I fell in love with the place when I first got here. You know, the guys were amazing. Um, you know, when you just you click, you click with the guys, and you click with the coach, and you know, you, I could really see myself living here. That was probably the one of the biggest things. You know, and I was speaking to other other schools as well at that time but you know when I I think I literally after the day after my visit I was flying home and I, I text coffee and I was like I'm good to go let's do it <laughs> you know and he's probably like oh god stop this kid now but uh, <laughs> yeah he's like we were bluffing uh, yeah, yeah he's like, supposed to god, this guy was like the fifth string you know like <laughs> um, but you know that's that's something that I I hold personal to me you know I, I'm forever grateful for this place and coach Goffey and you know coach Drew and all the opportunities this place has gave me you know like I wouldn't be you know sitting where I am today without them you know I wouldn't have achieved half the things that I have achieved and the relationships that I've developed without you know him bringing me here um so for that I'm like just completely forever grateful you know I'm curious what and I'm not asking you to speak for all international players because the reputation of college tennis in Scotland is not going to be the same as it in Poland or in yeah. Australia or all of these different things. But what was the reputation for college tennis for you coming into it? And you know, was it something you always figured 16, 17 years old, like, yeah, I'm going to go play college in the States? Or was it, you know, you saw to your point, Fernley story kind of being like, hey, we think we're going to do this. And you're like, all right, maybe this will be for me. Yeah, I. So I was, I think I was at, what was it, like 20, 2018, I, I knew a few guys that were out there, um, you know, other Scottish guys that had been before me, um, you know, like a Hamish Stewart, a Ewan Moore, you know, all great players, you know, and they would come back during, from their winter breaks, whatever, and they were, to me, they were like, oh, these guys can really hit the ball, like they're really good. And, um, you know, I, I, at least in Britain, I always thought that, that at that time period, like, college tennis was on the come up big time. You know, you had a lot of good players, a lot of good talent, you know, starting to have like kind of big years and big tournaments and, you know, sort of that was like a, a big thing for me. It was like the level's good, you know, the level is good. And then, you know, even younger than that, actually, like I was, I used to train now with David Lloyd Renfrew and um, one of the guys I used to train with, he, he went out of the States, Mark Watt, um, you know, and he would always help me out and, you know, he would always push push me to get better and, you know, I'd see him get better progressively as the years are, you know, and that was like, right, I want to play tennis, you know, professionally, but am I really in a rush to go and play it right out of the juniors? Like, do I do I really benefit from that? Am I going to, I'm going to shell out a bunch of money <laughs> that, you know, I probably, I don't have, you know, you know, to go and play futures, whereas you can go, get a scholarship over in the States, play an amazing level, you know, have some great coaches and develop as a person and a player. And uh, luckily enough, you know, I, I made the right decision, yeah. you know, and I was around great people. Yeah. How how hard did Hamish and Ewan try to get you to Tulane? Um, I don't know. I, I, I don't think they really, like, were pushing all that much because <laughs> they probably thought this guy's... F- um, yeah. No, um... You know, I, I, was, I spoke to Tulane a little bit. You know, I spoke to a bunch of different schools. Um, but, yeah, I ended up I ended up making the right decision for me personally. You know, I, 
I couldn't really see myself anywhere else than here. Sure. Um, Who deserves more credit for story? You or Goffey? I, I I don't know what the rules are on this. I don't know if there's an NCAA <laughs> violation <laughs> well, coming back. We'll say this. He's on the portal and he's eligible. You're right. I don't want to get you in trouble. But yeah. let me just say, did you tell your friend James things are not the worst at South Carolina? Yeah, I, I would, you know, no viol- violations aside, everything was completely legal. I'm, uh, of course. I you would, didn't call I was, him until you knew it was okay. Let's be clear. Yeah. 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 No, I, I, would, I would probably uh, put myself there. Um, yeah. <laughs> That's <laughs> no, a good answer. Jimbo, Jimbo was a great guy. You know, I was, you know, I always thought, like, maybe he would want to, you know, potentially and, you know, you know, I, I would, you know, I, he's the type of guy you would want, every team would want, you know, great guy, loves the place, you know, will work his, you know, absolutely <laughs> for you and, you know, he fights like hell. So we're really lucky to have him, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not not too horrible at tennis either. Pretty decent player. Yeah, uh, not shabby. Yeah. yeah, not too shabby at all. <laughs> not um, shabby you know, with that in mind, I don't want to take up too much more of your time. Um, as you look at this season, let's just, we can talk. I. You hear different things. Who is, who isn't coming back for Tennessee? But regardless of what that final looks like, lineup looks like, there are six players there who are going to be definitive. You know, that said, Georgia loses Stewart, loses McCormick. It's a couple new faces. Florida, all six of their starters gone. And Florida has obviously been the class of the conference really throughout your time uh, here in the SEC. Uh, obviously, you've got other young teams still continuing to get better, whether it's yourselves, whether it's Kentucky coming off of an NCAA finals run, all these different teams. As you look at the SEC in 2023, you know, where do you see the Gamecocks fitting in to the equation? How do you feel about this group? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm happy with it. Really happy with the group I've got, you know, like, you know, I I do believe that anything's possible. You know, we have to really put our, our heads down and just get stuck in, you know, like I do believe that SEC is like the best conference in college tennis, you know, like without a shadow of a doubt, you know, I don't, you know, the guys are just feisty as anything. They'll compete with their, their absolute last breath, you know, and that's across the board, that's across every single team and the, the talent's really, really high. Um, and you're playing a lot of tennis back to back to back, you know, a lot of other conferences, maybe there's a few, few less matches or you're, you're not, you know, clinching, like you're just playing to the clinch or whatever. Like, you know, generally speaking, we're always playing them out, you know, regardless. Um, you know, I, I with regards of like teams losing players and whatnot, like they, like Florida is still Florida. They're still good, you know. Like all these teams are extremely good teams, and you know something that we preach is that every win is a is an amazing win. You know, every win is on paper, every win is equal to each other because a win's a win. Mm-hmm. You know, you know the rankings are great and whatnot, but you know, what we'll remember coming out of college and when we're alumni is looking back and be like, all right, we didn't lose. Yeah. Like that's, that's the best thing, you know, and that's something that, you know, it's easy to get caught up in numbers or like the easiest thing to get caught up in. But if you just generally just take everything day by day and match by match, you know, you're probably going to have a lot more of a successful time than if you're, analyzing oh this is a good win and that's a bad that's a bad loss and whatnot did you get pissed off seeing kentucky in the final were you a little bit like man what the f-? like yeah. <laughs> like that should have been us like we beat them for like that i mean is that an inspirational thing where it's just like hey they just did it we beat them for three like that could be us legitimately yeah yeah i i wouldn't i wouldn't say i was pissed off i mean i, I yeah it's tough to say because i like pissed off in the sense of like that we we could have done that we could have done that but we didn't but at the same time like I, I was immensely proud of that team like they they were a great team you know they had some amazing players and really good guys in that team and you know to see those guys like fly the flag a little bit for the SEC and be like all right you know we can go and do this like it really opens up everybody's eyes to the fact that it doesn't it does not matter if you're a you know, a, a big name in college tennis. Like, I wouldn't necessarily say Kentucky is like the biggest name in college tennis or whatever. But at the same time, like, amazing competitors, great talent. You know, and they went out there and they just they fought their ass off, and they done something that 
not many guys get to say is, you know, I went out there and played in the NCAA final, mm-hmm. you know, and to me, that's a massive inspiration because, you know, I would say like a, a South Carolina and a Kentucky, like, you know, feisty cultures, you know, really good competitors. Like that is something that we can do, you know, and it's, it's, it's really doable, you know, and hats off to them. Like they, you know, they had an amazing group, you know, to go out there and do it and they, they done it. Yeah, no, absolutely. And with that in mind, rapid fire down the home stretch here, um, indoor facility, Will you? Never mind. I don't want to get Goffy mad at me. Because I feel like, like, what are you guys only going to use it in January and February? That said, what's it been like to have the indoor facility? Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, uh, probably the slowest indoor course you'll ever find. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's what I was really going to ask. See, that's why I didn't want to get in trouble and ask. But like, I, mean, I heard no, there's I mean, a little there's, home cooking. No, 100. percent I mean, they're they're slow <laughs> courts, you know. But at the end of the day, like, a court's a court, and a match is a match. Like, you got to deal with it. You know, it's. You know, it's like I was going into any other facility or whatever. Like you go into like I don't know Georgia, yeah. and the courts are lightning. You know, like it is what it is. I'm pretty sure you know? he'd play indoor clay if he had the choice. He'd be like, let's just give them something they've never seen before. We here at South Carolina are going to be clay courts, um, and you guys just roll with yeah. it. Yeah, and that's the home court advantage. Um, which, by the way, exactly. I, I mean, wouldn't be opposed. Wouldn't yeah, be the I mean, worst. Well, uh, I don't know. I, I think college tennis is a hardcore game. Like yeah. you can't be messing with surfaces and whatnot. You know, next thing you know, you're throwing in grass courts. Yeah, like grass courts. You go out to you know? Boise State in March, and they've got the grass courts ready. That would be delight. You know, I'm yeah. in. Lock it up. Um, all right. With that said, again, keep rolling through. These are some stupid ones. I think the racket spin or the coin toss is the most wasted opportunity in college tennis. So knowing that Josh Goffey would be your representative in each of these moments to determine who serves first on every court, one point head coach versus head coach to start every match, drop and hit feed, winner chooses the serving arrangement. Are you in or out? Yeah, I'm back in Josh. Yeah, right. These are unbelievable. Yeah, and like if he loses four in a row, like then you guys could say, like, coach, you're on the line with us. Like your performance has been unacceptable. We're serving second in all these matches. Like you're running with us here. We need you to be a little bit better uh, moving forward. So I'm in favor of that. What about random lineups? So by that I mean because everyone talks about stacking and all these different things. I think it's silly. I think what it should be to really make home court advantages a thing in college tennis, home team gets to set all the matchups. Would you be in favor of that or no? No, I don't think I'm, I'm taking that. I think, you know, you, whatever position you play, I mean, stacking is, is a real thing, but generally speaking, whatever position you're playing is that's a fair position. You yeah, know, yeah. like if you're, if you're the best player in that team, you're playing one, you know, if you're, you know, if it's a close, you're playing two. Like, you know, and then that way, it's, it's every match is fairly even. Like, there's, I wouldn't say there's, you know, much stacking going on. I think stacking does play a part in some in some teams, but I don't think it's like anything crazy. There's no pandemic of stacking. That that's good. I like to hear that. Yeah, um, I, I wouldn't yeah, say that. It's on the margins. Um, all right, doubles point before or after singles. What would you prefer? Yeah, before, hundred percent. So you say that, but like, what if it was sudden death down to the doubles point, one set, no ad scoring? Like, tell me fans wouldn't go nuts for that. Yeah, I mean, from a from a, a fan perspective, I would agree. Okay. But from a player perspective, when you're you're kind of going into the singles already hot, mm-hmm. like that, I feel like that makes the level of the singles match much better. But sure. I could, you know, you could you could probably get with anything. Like I said, like anything, you'll get used to. It. Mm-hmm, for sure. Do you guys uh, you guys play everything out? Do you prefer that to stopping matches short? Yeah, absolutely. I think playing playing stuff out actually allows you to to kind of develop those skills that you might not have at the end of the season, like closing matches out from you know a winning a winning you know third set or whatever. Like that play, I feel like that pays dividends later on in the season to to be to be able to go out and actually deal with pressure. You know, I feel like some matches you might lose and you might lose to like, oh, it's it's 4-2 and I didn't get to finish my match. So it's all good. But, you know, in reality, like closing out a match, win or, lo- win or lose, like you'll be able to learn from that. You know, I feel like if you don't, if you don't close the match out, it's kind of like, well, I just, I didn't really do anything for like two hours. You know, I put in a lot of energy and I don't know where I stand. 
Yeah. No, I, I think that's completely fair. All right, rip on your teammates to end the podcast. Favorite hitting partner on the team? Oh, favorite hitting partner. Um, oh, Jimbo, I think. James. Yeah, that's that's a. I would say I would say Toby, but Toby just absolutely unloads and everything. That's the problem with hitting with big. You're just like I want rhythm. I'm not here to hang with you playing big. Yeah, some days, some days the the level is absolutely like unbelievable, (laughs) and then other other days it's like we're having an absolute eagle fest out there, and (laughs) balls are like getting nuked everywhere. It's like oh god, that's Um, that's the fun. Um, All right, James. Most likely to crack a lack, crack a racket in your lineup. Oh, <laughs> probably take me. Yeah. <laughs> I'll probably take me. Um, yeah. I'll probably me. not get the, I've not got the best record with, uh, with that. I think that's it. Nothing wrong with passion. Um, all right. Best to get dinner with. Uh, best to get dinner with. See, I don't know. It's, it's, it depends really. Like James is good to get dinner with cause he'll, he'll just be good to go with anything. Yeah. You know, if you go with like Casey, I mean, you're gonna have a great dinner because you're gonna be laughing at the guy like nonstop. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, there's different guys bring different things to the table. So, would you say Casey's the team jokester? Uh, yeah, I would say unintentionally though. He does. I don't think he realizes it. <laughs> I love I love Casey Debets, but uh, yeah, yeah. Sometimes he doesn't realize it. Why he's worst, so funny? Worst roommate on the roster? Toby Samuel, hundred percent, without yeah. a doubt. Close everywhere. Without a doubt. Um, I mean, he's getting better with that, you know. Um, dishes maybe cleaning is not his like his thing quite yet, but he's getting better. That's good. He's learning. Yeah, you know, there's the term. Do you know what a colander is? No, I have no idea. Okay, that. well, it's just like the official term for the sponge next to the sink, or like the the scrubby thing, or whatever. And I didn't know that had like an official name. I was like, oh, you just mean like the scrunchy scrubber off. I was going to say he's finally working the colander is what I was yeah. trying to say. He's he's slowly discovering it. Um, he's improving. Yeah, that's good. That's what I like to hear. Um, all right. And inner practice only. Inner practice only. Most likely to hook you. Ooh. Just to get uh, under your skin. Come on. They're trying. Is it Goffy? Oh, no. Mostly to get under, to get under your skin. I know he's probably going to hate this, but I'm going to say Jay Beasley. Yeah. <laughs> to get under your skin, like, the guy loves, this guy loves to wind people up. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would, I would say probably him. Not that I don't think he's a hook. He doesn't ever really hook, actually. Yeah. Um, but in practice, might, he's getting you. Again, it's, yeah. it's a practice thing. Yeah, practice. Maybe for a bit of banner, yeah. Casey would, yeah, I could see Casey maybe hooking you, but that'd be unintentional because you can't see. Um, yeah. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. I like to do that. All right. Well, my final question for you here, and again, appreciative of your time. The thing you want college tennis fans to take away when they watch your team compete this season? Um, I would. I think the biggest thing for us would just be that, you know, if they come out saying, well, those guys laid on the line. Mm-hmm. Like, that's probably the biggest thing for me. And, you know, we, we try to hold ourselves to the best standard possible of, you know, we compete with our absolute best and, you know, we don't let the jersey down, you know, and that's something that stays with me, you know. So if they could turn around and be like, all right, those guys, you know, they gave it all and they, they left their hearts out there, then I'm happy with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's awesome to hear. And obviously, again, yours has been a team that, you know, whether it was the 4-3 Texas in Orlando and last year round of 16, but, you know, played great at the National Indoors, played great all year long. Uh, South Carolina is a program on the rise, no doubt about that. And certainly we enjoy getting the chance to watch you guys cover you guys whenever we have the chance here at Cracked Rackets. And looking forward to seeing you guys compete this season as well. So, Connor Thompson, congratulations, ITA All-American champion for the rest of time. You'll be able to ride with that. And yeah. I'm pretty sure that means you're an All-American this year, right? That means you've clinched it for this season. Uh, no, I'm pretty sure Coach said i got to do a lot more winning before. Yeah, that's, you know, he, he's personally rescinded it for now. That, yeah, that, he's, that, that's, that's gone. That's out the window right yeah, now. We'll, we'll talk about that in May. Yeah, that's fine. So I'll save them that title for later, but appreciate you taking the time to chat. Be safe, be healthy, and obviously good luck to the Gamecocks this season. Appreciate it. Thank you very much.
Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Hope all of you enjoyed my conversation with South Carolina fourth-year Connor Thompson. A massive congratulations to he, Toby, and the Gamecocks once again on capturing that All-American title. And obviously, we're looking forward to continuing to see his program succeed over the course of not just the next year, but obviously the next few seasons as well. And with that in mind, it's almost that time, folks. 2023 right around the corner. Of course, even before that, we've got ITA Fall National Championship coverage for you here at Cracked Rackets. The fall's final signature event going to be covered on our YouTube channel from first ball to last. That's the first week of November. It starts that first Wednesday of the month. Perfect to watch, perfect to binge as you're contemplating who you should vote for prior to election day. Of course, it's going to be really high-quality tennis as well. You'll be able to follow all of it for free on our Cracked Records YouTube channel. A shout-out to the ITA as well as our super producer, Daniel Westoff, who, as always, by the way, has a f*** of an editing job to do day in, day out. Makes all of our content possible. Very much looking forward to that coverage. And, of course, if you missed any of our previous ITA All-American Championship conversations, You can find them here on the Cracked Interviews podcast feed. With that said, a shout-out as well to our friends at Swing Vision. You all know the deal. To learn more, click on the link in the description to this podcast. With that said, for our fantastic guest, Connor Thompson, our super producer, Daniel Westoff, our friends at Swing Vision, and from all of us here at both Cracked Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You've been listening to another edition of the Cracked Interviews podcast. Stay safe. Stay healthy. Talk to you all soon. Thanks, everyone.